This is Capital Cast. I'm Jennifer Fuller. We're continuing our occasional segment on influential Illinoisans this week with the second part of our interview with former Illinois Congressman, SIU System President, and one-time candidate for governor, Glenn Pichard. In working with author Carl Walworth on his memoir, Son of Southern Illinois, Pichard decided to reveal, to many for the first time, an invasive mental health treatment he received as a young man. We begin this segment as Pichard explains his reason for disclosing what was, for decades, a tightly held secret. And Jennifer, I think that um, one of the considerations that, that I made during this process of deciding whether to talk about this or not was Carl wrote this book kind of in the middle of the COVID crisis. And mental health issues became an even larger part of the American discussion. And um, I finally decided, okay, maybe if we talk about this and we just, you know, don't pull any punches, maybe it will help some people. Maybe they'll, they'll understand that you can work through these crises you know, and, and become whole and, and um, be an okay person. And that was the final thought for me in going with the story. Let's, let's take that next step then. You decided yeah. it was time to run for office and do that thing that you'd had in your heart all this yeah. time. <laughs> in those steps from the state, state legislature, to Congress, mm-hmm. to that huge decision to run for governor. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that path and about the successes? Yeah. You mentioned the Clean Air Act, the things yeah. that, I don't know if you want to call them failures, but you know yeah. the things that you wish could have been accomplished during those times too. Yeah. Um, there were so many things that I cared deeply about. Um, where I grew up in the hill country over in southern White County, healthcare for poor people, <laughs> it was just difficult. Um, uh, particularly mental health care, I mean, it just wasn't available. But, um, y- you know, for me, uh, particularly, I love the Shawnee National Forest. I grew up in it. My dad hunted and trapped and fished. And uh, I knew every part of that forest, and I wanted it to be protected. So that became uh, an important thing for me early on. As I mentioned, the rural health care, education. My mom and dad both had a third grade education. So all of us kids growing up, that was the emphasis. If If you want to improve your life, you've got to get an education. And so I knew from the very start that I wanted to come to SIU, you know. But um, I didn't have any money when I got out of high school. I was working for a dollar an hour on a farm, and the Army became my outlet because I knew I could pick up a skill in the Army, and I could get out of the Army with the GI Bill, and that would help me get started to SIU. So I involved myself at every step of the way when I was in the state senate in the U.S. Congress in education, particularly elementary, secondary, and higher education. I I just thought that was a saving grace. For me, higher education is the meal ticket into the great middle class of America. 
and and that's what I wanted for myself. It's what I wanted for the people that I represented and their kids, uh, because I knew families that didn't have the money to send their kids to college, and uh, and so I spent a lot of my time on education, on health care, protecting uh, mining jobs as best I could, and uh, you know I, I was. I actually became good friends with President H.W. Bush. Uh, he, his family, they were very kind to my family. Um, and that was his greatest uh, uh, legacy, was the Clean Air Act. He really wanted that, and, and, and I had to oppose him on that, you know, and sometimes pretty vociferously. But, I, I, you know, you, you, you have to pick your battles, and sometimes the things that are paramount for your district overwhelm the national interest for you. And, and in this case, I wanted, uh, I wanted the Clean Air Act to be protective of our jobs. So I submitted um, amendments to desulfurize the coal, to, to do everything we could to make sure that, you know, and that, that resulted in grants to SIU Carbondale because of our coal uh, research here and so on. But it was, it, was, uh, it was a difficult thing for me to handle when the Clean Air Act passed. Uh, and even in the back of my mind knowing it was probably the right thing for the whole country, but boy. It was hard for me here. So, you know, I had things like that uh, that were of particular interest to me that, that, I, that I spent time on. Of course, um, I can't even begin to tell you how much time I spent on sewer grants, water grants, things that helped build infrastructure so that we could begin to um, transition away from coal into uh, business parks, industrial parks places that we could uh, build other kinds of jobs, you know. It, it, I loved Congress. I, a lot of people don't like committee work. I loved committee work. I loved, you know, my strengths were debate, uh, were speaking, things like that. Um, and I think I learned that from John Kennedy because my generation saw what oration could do to move a whole generation of people. And so I focused on those things. I think I made myself a better congressman by learning uh, to, to have a good grasp of issues and learning to debate effectively. Going in, did you expect those issues to be what you would, would have focused on? I mean, you, you and I both covered him as a congressman. Did those issues resonate with you? Well, I mean, I knew that the speaking aspect of it I'd seen him in our, uh, he, he met with our editorial staff, I'd seen him in town hall meetings, uh, talked to him on the telephone, and so the speaking part of it was not uh, new to me. Uh, I expected that. Uh, in our part of the state, I live in Coles County, um, the Shawnee and some of those issues, the coal mines uh, didn't dominate like they did down in Southern Illinois. We had different issues, we had our own issues. Um, but we were generally aware of some of the things, you know, or became generally aware of some of the things that, that he did in those first four years before he, before he um, got the central part of the state as well as the Southern part of the state. That was a big deal, that remap. That was 1990, yes. right? That's right. When 
the powers that be looked at the map and said, we need to put two people yeah. into the same map. This happens. It yes. happened for three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it's happened. Yeah. But you made a decision when people thought that you would retire, that you would seek another position somewhere else. Yeah. You made a decision and said, no, I'm going to keep doing this. How difficult was that decision in that race? Well, politics and government were my heart as far as professions go. And I, I didn't want to give it up. I knew how difficult it would be because my, my, uh, the traditional triangular district in southern Illinois was cut up into three districts, Jennifer, as you remember. And um, I didn't have much left in the district represented by uh, Congressman Costello. The district that became Senator Durbin's district, or at that time Congressman Durbin's district, stretched all the way to Quincy, Illinois. <laughs> and having having been raised in the district that, re- that Congressman Bruce represented and uh, retaining a few counties on this west end, like Franklin and Williamson, uh, not knowing anything about um, uh, the north end of the district and Coles County and Shelby and Macon and those counties, I knew it would be difficult. But, um, you know, I gave a specific date to make that decision. And I remember very precisely, I was searching uh, for what's going to tip the balance here. And I went down to the basement that night before I had said the next day at noon I would make an announcement. And I started reading uh, Robert, Ro- Robert Frost's poem, Reluctance. And uh, the end of that poem, uh, there's a stanza that says something to the effect that, when was it ever less than treason to accept the end of a love or a season? And so <laughs> I, that poem just spoke to me. You know, it said, it would be treasonous for me to back, away, back out now because I know in my heart what I want to do, and um, I've just got to do it. Uh, I didn't think, I thought I knew it would be very hard to win, but my son actually uh, won that race for me. He um, left us, he, at the time he was a student up at Sangman State and was working for President Rock, and he left that job uh, and came over and planted himself in Decatur And Jennifer, I swear, uh, he worked 14, 15 hours every day in in a territory where we knew nobody. Uh, My son went out and got all of those county officers to eventually endorse me. (laughs) And it just turned the tide for me. Those people came to Southern Illinois to Benton, and we had an endorsement ceremony there. And from that moment on, the people in the southern end of the district, which knew me, just caught fire because the question had been in their mind, yeah, you know, he can win down here, but can he get any support up there where all the people are in Decatur and those larger towns like Mattoon and Charleston and so on? And that just lit a fire under our people. They became even more committed to win that seat, and we did. And, you know, I... uh, I was grateful for it. I really enjoyed serving that that new district. Four more terms, and then you made another momentous decision to run against George Ryan in the the race for governor in 1998. A huge race. Yes. Probably one like Illinois had not seen in 
I can't even put a time on it. Can you walk through that decision and then that race? Because that's the one that we're going to come back to, you yeah. know, this big secret that yeah. you were carrying. Well, I'll tell you what happened there. <clears throat> I had um, a bunch of friends in the Congress that uh, felt uh, that a more moderate Democrat should be the candidate for the Democrat Party for governor. And they had sort of focused in on me, uh, Congressman Lipinski in Chicago and uh, and uh, uh, Congressman Costello and Congressman Lane Evans and others from downstate. Anyway, uh, I was contemplating after 10 years in the Congress running for governor. <clears throat> and I had been around the state speaking for different candidates and so on. But I didn't want to run against Jim Edgar. Uh, Jim Edgar had uh, been good to me, uh, and we were, we were friends. I, <clears throat> I thought he was an exceptional governor. Um, but uh, the word came out that he was having health problems, and they were serious heart issues. And I finally got the word from my Republican friends in Congress that he, he wasn't going to run for governor again. That's when I decided that I would run. I did not want to run against uh, Governor Edgar. Um, I, I wanted, I didn't know who I'd run against, but everybody figured it would be George Ryan. And I was willing to take that on. Um, and uh, I thought we ran a pretty credible race. I still get a lot of criticism, Jennifer, that had I taken the PAC money, uh, I would have been a more formidable candidate, but I couldn't. You know, I'd had, uh, I'd had experiences in my life where I saw money just be the deciding issue in Washington, D.C. I just think it's polluted our system to the effect that, you know, uh, uh, regular people who would make great servants in Congress or the General Assembly in Illinois can't run because even state rep races are getting to the millions of dollars now. I mean, we had three or four candidates running for governor last time in this state who are all billionaires. And I didn't like that effect. I still don't like the effect. Um, and so I couldn't change my mind after deciding that I couldn't take the PAC monies in Congress. I wasn't going to now take PAC monies to run for governor. So I limited my money. And it certainly hurt me in terms of countering some of the uh, ads that uh, that the Secretary of State ran against me. But I don't know. I, I, I just have never believed that we have to be enemies of people just because we have political differences. I, I can't do that. I didn't do that against George Ryan. I know it's strange to hear me say this, but um, even after running as harder races I could to defeat him. Uh, when it was all said and done and he was convicted of the atrocities that he had committed and the people around him had committed, I felt sorry for him. I, I didn't wish him to go to prison. I didn't want George Ryan to suffer uh, from what many people considered to be sort of run-of-the-mill politics in Illinois because everybody thinks Illinois is corrupt in their politics anyway. But I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I never felt like I became enemies with George Ryan, but I had to stand up for what I believed, and I, I, I believed particularly in that instance of selling commercial driver's license that found the, the money, uh, their way into his campaign. I, 
I just couldn't go along with that because I had gone down on the south side of Chicago and spent time with the Willis family. And uh, they had not been able to get the files open to find out exactly what happened on that day. And they, they, I showed them the ad that we were going to run, and they approved it right there in their home. And uh, so, you know, that was a hard race uh, for me. I only lost it by a couple points or so. And, um, but, you know, you do the best you can. And uh, I think um, post-governor's race, uh, I have been even more gratified by uh, what Joe and I have done with our Foundation for the Children. It would be easy to come out of that race and say, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. okay. <laughs> to, to take a break at least. Yeah. But I want to wrap up by talking about you forged ahead in yeah. higher education with positions yes. uh, across the SIU system. Yes. And you've got this foundation that you founded. Yeah. Yeah. How important is it to keep all of that going and to live with the, you know, these focuses that you had as as an early lawmaker? Yeah, I uh, I think this is the first time this book that I've kind of actually looked back and considered my life. Um, I did it a little bit with Jim Muir uh, uh, at one time. Um, because, you know, I felt I ought to really tell the story of what happened during that governor's campaign. Um, but but we're not one to do that, neither Joe nor I. The very morning uh, after we lost the race for governor, um, we, got, we got up early and we're sitting at the breakfast table and just looked at each other and said, okay, what's our next step here? Uh, we didn't spend any time on the governor's race at all because everywhere I went uh, when I was running for governor, getting into these communities, Jennifer, uh, somebody would inevitably stand up in a town meeting and say, okay, if you become governor, what are you going to do about all these abused kids, these kids that are now suffering from their parents on drugs and things like that? And that, that sort of became... Um, the point from which we diverged off into what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives and, and decided to found the, uh, the Pichard Foundation. And I tell you, that's been a blessing. Uh, at this stage of our life, that's our passion for getting up in the morning. We help a lot of kids working with the social service agencies. A lot of people supported our foundation over the years. And, um, you know, that's... That's what we'll continue to do until the day we, we die, I'm sure, because uh, that foundation means everything to us. Carl, I want to give you the last word. I ask every author that I ever talk to if they have a moral to the story or something that they just really hope this is the part that they take away from their book. Well, I would say that one of the, I think I knew this coming in, and the book reaffirmed it at every point, but the integrity and the decency and the caring and the passion uh, that he has uh, for Southern Illinois, for his family, uh, for Central Illinois, for the state of Illinois, you know, I hope that comes through. And, you know, the other night, I think you were here when he read some of his poems, and I've... <laughs> 
I still like the book, so don't get me wrong. I, in fact, I really like the book. But as he read those poems, because as a writer, you want to take the reader right into to the story and give them the emotion and all of the, and those kinds of things. And I thought, is there that kind of emotion in the book as he read those uh, heartfelt poems? And yeah, it's there's some of it, but but so th the short answer to your question is, it's the it's the caring and the passion and the decency uh, that he's showing really throughout his life, the example that he sets. Uh, and then I guess secondly, you know, some of the other things that are in the book but aren't necessarily headline grabbers. Uh, you know, the, uh, the South Africa vote, uh, the Faith and Politics Institute, uh, the race that he ran against Pat Kelly, which to me is an example of the kind of race that we should strive for uh, in 2023 and 24. Uh, those kinds of things uh, really are things that um, are important to me. Carl Walworth worked with Glenn Pichard to write Son of Southern Illinois, which is available through the SIU Press at siupress.siu.edu. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a nonprofit, nonpartisan news service funded primarily by the Illinois Press Foundation, the Robert R. McCormick Foundation, and contributions from the Illinois Broadcasters Foundation and Southern Illinois Editorial Association. I'm Jennifer Fuller. <laughs>